This is We Can't Call It The Enterprise, a podcast not about Star Trek. I'm Valerie. And I'm Scott. As, as you can tell, I don't really want to talk about Stargate SG-1 at the moment. I'm a little bit bitter that I didn't veto that thing. Yeah, this was... Uh, I cringed pretty hard. There was a couple of minutes where I almost thought that it wasn't going to be so bad before I remembered the full story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to dive into parts, it? Parts of it were di- like almost difficult to watch. Um, actually, almost all of it was. So, in my opinion, the av- like the average Stargate episode is better than like the average. Certainly, like TNG Trek episode, but boy oh boy, does Stargate ever have so many clunkers! And unfortunately, we got our first one pretty early in. Yep, episode. I think this is just episode three. Um, but yeah, it kind of, you know, it kind of opens pretty normally. Um, you know, the the crew goes through the gate um, into a field, like a. Like they do so many times, and uh, yes, indeed, somewhere, somewhere in uh, Surrey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You even see the poplar trees, I believe. Yep. Um, so they're in they're in Surrey, BC, and what do you know? A kid is being chased by dogs that they're looking through. As happens in Surrey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we get an English-speaking Mongolian. Which is amazing. Yeah, they're they're still doing little bits and pieces of like mixing the uh, everyone speaks English thing. Where like in the background and like in miscellaneous scenes, you have people speaking what sounds like a gibberish version of Chinese. Yeah, they're functionally all English speakers. It's kind of like the opposite of what I was complaining about in episode one. Well. I mean, in episode one, they were trying. They're like, well, it's, you know, well, they're speaking some version of Arabic, but in this case, it's like, it's not even brought up. It's just, you would think that the first thing Daniel would say is like, wow, you speak modern English. All right, what? Like, Yeah, you speak modern English, yet you're like a strangely ancient variant of Mongolians. Yeah, so, and, uh... And as it happens, these are sexist Mongolians. Oh my. So yeah, as soon as the guy figures out that uh, Carter is a woman, he doesn't look at her. He's like, oh god, I can't look. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then a bunch of dudes with horses run up, and they find out that Carter's a woman, and they whip out their swords, kind of like space neckbeards, I guess. How are you feeling at this point in the episode? Because I was already kind of like, well... At, at this point, I was like, that's when I had the false optimism. Because I remember, like, it's vaguely about sexist Mongolians and the Prime Directive. But... Yeah. I, I didn't remember exactly how bad it was. Like, at that, at that point, someone innocuously, completely, deathly offends someone. Like, that's a pretty normal Stargate opening. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, O'Neill was kind of good here. He shoots his gun, and, and it's, he literally brought a knife to a... A gun to a, a knife a, fight, A gun yeah. to a knife fight, yeah, and wins immediately. 
Um, and then Dad shows up, and he's a progressive leader, so that's good news. He's like, oh, well, this woman saved your life. Okay, well, I guess we're not going to kill her, so put the knives away, guys. Let's uh, head back to the old village. And they all go back to the village, and they're kind of figuring out if they can work together. They're like, oh, well, do you have anything to trade? And uh, they're kind of like, yeah, yeah, we got um, food and things, and we also have lots of great drugs. And Jack is like, oh. I like drugs, and it was at this point. <laughs> it was at this point that I, I think, I think Jack has dropped acid before. I think that there's no doubt but, in my mind. I, I want you to back that up. Um, I really, it's just about his tone. Oh, we've got some pretty swell drugs of our own. Uh, when he was saying that, and I think Jack was probably in his early twenties around the time of Woodstock, wasn't he? So he was doing, like, our parents' acid, you know? Hmm. I didn't quite pick up on the tone. I think I was writing a note. I think you have notes, just just so we know where we stand. My notes are on the floor right now. Uh, that's that's are, how we're doing this episode. Mine are in front of me. Um, but, I don't know. So they decide, they decide to go with drugs. So they're like, all right, so you got sweet drugs. And then, you know, they, they go and check out some guy with an arrow wound. And they're kind of like, oh, yeah, we got this really awesome anesthetic. And, and Jack is kind of all, you know, all disappointed. Like, oh, well, I guess anesthetics are useful if that's, <laughs> like, if that's all you got. Yeah, okay, that's that's a fair point. You can tell where he was going with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. So, anyway, I can, I can just imagine, though, they, like, you know, they, they go off-world and they come back with, like, space marijuana. And, like, do you think that, do you think that General Hammond would be, like, <laughs> yeah, do it. Seriously. And then it would be, like, uh, I don't know, one of the doctors and the medical personnel in, like, that, um, <laughs> in that, like, fishbowl room. Where they uh, took the Gould out of Kowalski and General Hammond is like watching really seriously as these unbelievably baked people just go on with antics and stuff. You just know that was on the writer's room chalkboard at some point as like a C-plot in some episode where (laughs) the drug winds up curing some other problem. Yeah, yes. Yeah, the gang gets high on space weed and then also you know, figures out how to quiet the ghoul down for a while or something. But yeah, so, you know, they they really, you know, they kind of, I don't remember what, what exactly happens here. Oh yeah, they walk in on Carter, and she is dressed like a Barbie, basically. Yeah, so... <laughs> this was when, this is, this is the part where you're like, oh yeah, this is gonna be horrible. Yeah, it was, it was the way they handled it. Like, first off, she had... Okay, actually, I'm going to look at my notes on the floor for a sec. She had a good line of, Find me an anthropologist that dresses like this and I will eat this headdress. Which, like, is a really funny line, but anthropologists actually do dress in whatever the local expectations are. Like, that's contextually not a weird thing for her to be doing to fit in. Yeah. The outfit is just so ridiculous. Like, the, the amount of bodice it has given how like modest and covered up everything is. Val, what's uh what is bodice? 
It's it's the uh, polite word for cleavage. Ah, uh, I mean Val. Can we let's just say cleavage? I mean. Oh, silly me. <laughs> uh, so. They have the stereotypical '90s writing of like the men all falling over themselves because oh my goodness, she looks so good in this. Everything just felt so out of character and. Yeah, and it's not like she was because that's that's the weird thing because it's not like she was outrageously sexy or anything in fact it was like probably you know she was wearing i i don't even know how to describe it but you know she was wearing like an an entire on that note my theory as to why like everyone thought she was the absolute best is because she had like everyday casual makeup and that was some kind of stunning thing was she was she wearing makeup suddenly well she was she was just wearing like fairly casual women's makeup not bold, but... Is she normally wearing makeup? I don't even know. Always, yeah. Okay. I don't know. She's wearing, like, essentially, like, an entire closet full of clothes. And I suppose there is a reasonable amount of bodice or whatever. Man, that's what I'm going to call it now. <laughs> I, I I'm going to be like, like oh, hey, oh, hey, you know, if you, if you go to that networking event, you should wear the dress with, uh, you know, the bodice. Oh God! Um, if if you want to get the, a lot of business cards, make sure you uh, make sure you show off some bodice. Yeah, we we really work different jobs. So <laughs> the only the only other thing I have to say about that scene is it felt like the writers like looked at a TV tropes page, went, "Okay, we want to write this trope," and then bent the characters around it. Uh, which trope was that? Um, the sexism one. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does seem that way. And they were also like, hey, we need to do a Major Carter episode. You know what would be perfect? The sexism trope. And it's almost just too much. Like, I, you know. Almost? Yeah, it was way too much. I, you know, there's, it's totally, um, I, you know, it's almost, it's almost wrong to use, because it's like her first major episode. And they're going to do this? Like, I don't know, really dumb, like. Carter's a total badass, and they do try to portray her as a total badass in this episode. You know, it just ends up seeming really contrived and cheap. Mm-hmm. So she's dressed like a girl for the first time in the ep, and and she's like, it's not even like she's drop dead sexy. She's showing a little bodice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it sounds so funny now that you say it. Because because this Val is my new word. Let's see. Where do we go after that? Yeah, so the Mongolians are all partying uh, without girls, which, you know, that doesn't make a huge amount of sense to me. Uh, yeah, actually, it was uh, was Jack hitting on Carter when he's like, oh, you look great. Like, is, is he hitting on her because of the bodice? I kind of read it as that, but, like, that's... It's it's like it's two tropes they're playing. Like they're kind of playing the like, definitely like the sexist ancient culture trope, but also like, I'm trying I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. Like there's a particular trope of fairly like assertive masculine woman in some sense of the term has to present herself in such a way that's more stereotypically feminine, and then all of her compatriots are just like falling over, and there's like a slow motion camera shot. Like it's just so played up. And I'm kind of complaining about that trope because the characters aren't behaving as they would, like the way they're stumbling over themselves. And the fact, like, it's 
Not a very good outfit, even. Yes, that's, yeah, I definitely agree. I think you just nailed why this feels so wrong. Um, yeah, the costume is ridiculous. The characters aren't acting the way they would. I don't know, it just seems ridiculous. So, Carter gets abducted. She's told that she's going to be traded as property. So it's worth mentioning that the person who abducts her is the kid, Abu, who she initially rescued at the very beginning. He is the chieftain's son. Yeah, and he sees her, you know, blonde hair and blue eyes, and it's the stereotypical, like, oh, you know, the white girl is the hottest woman we've ever seen. Yeah, I have some definite thoughts on (laughs) the cultures and choices that they make in terms of, like, who the ancient primitives are in Stargate in general, but that's... That's a pretty big, hefty thought to unpack for another episode. Yeah, yeah, same with, yeah, like you were saying, the sexist Asian culture. I don't know. It seems, I don't want to harp on that too much, but it, it just doesn't feel, it do, I don't know, it just doesn't feel quite right. But anyway, uh, so she's told she's going to be traded as property, and then we have kind of an uncomfortable inspection scene of Carter where... Uh, this angry chieftain guy is like telling her to turn around and stuff. And it's, uh, I don't know. Cause I almost think that Carter would have gotten into a fight at that point. It's, it's what I would have expected, but yeah, she kind of succumbs and that's not what I was expecting her to do. I was, I figured she would have, you know, broken his nose and made a break for it or something. Yeah. The scowly guy rips the other, kind of rips the other guy off. He's like, well, you're not having my, my daughter. I already sold her to someone else. Yeah, I I was actually, like, pausing mostly when I was making notes and trying to pay actual attention to this, despite how bad it was. But I missed what exactly happened. Like, did he just, did he just rip the kid off? I mean, basically, yeah. Like, the kid's like, oh, he's like, oh, maybe Price. I got metal. I got horses. I've got uh, money. And uh, he's kind of carry. He's holding a tiny sack of whatever their currency is, and uh, the kid's like, "Oh well, I want your daughter. You know, the the hottest girl ever for your daughter. It seems like a good deal." And then uh, the angry scowly guy is like, uh, "Nope, here's money instead. Enough to buy ten women. You can start your own harem, kid. Get out of here." Um. Or I can kill you, and then he kind of leaves, so... Yeah, so at that point, they try to integrate Carter without a whole lot of success into the camp. Yeah. She just doesn't have any usable skills, and she's pretty sullen and mouthy about the whole thing. Yeah, that kind of... Um, that kind of uh, surprised me that he's, like, the guy, like, the scowly chieftain guy is, like, lying on the ground, and every... It seems like the whole village is, like, watching him try to get control of his new purchase. Um, which seemed kind of weird. And it's like, okay, what skills do you have? Cooking, cleaning, weaving? Um, and she's like, no, I fight. Uh, I'm a warrior. That bit of dialogue got me, got me thinking. How would you describe what you do? in like simplified ancient terms like what kind of profession are you to mongols well i would be i would be a merchant i guess that's straightforward enough yeah i yeah i think merchant makes a lot of sense um what would you you are a little bit harder 
I was thinking probably along the lines of like inventor scholar. Yeah. Well, what about, I mean, did they have engineers back then? Not amongst the Mongols, I don't think. I mean, surely people like designed weapons and so on, but my knowledge of Mongol history is quite limited. You know, I'd be yeah. quite interested to know, see what like a, an actual anthropologist thought about a lot of the uh, portrayals in Stargate. Something tells me they're like Wikipedia first paragraph level in a lot of cases. Yeah, well, I mean, did you hear, apparently, like, the guy that, yeah, it's like in, in Voyager, the guy that, uh, that, like, did consulting for Chakotay just made everything up, which makes a lot of sense. Um, Wait, they they had a consultant for Chakotay? Apparently, and he, uh, I mean, this is like... Yes, yeah, I thought the writers just made everything up directly. I didn't realize there was a middleman in the process. I mean, this is internet knowledge, so it totally could just be made up, but I've read, I've seen more than once that whoever they had for that was just uh, pulling stuff out of his ass. Um, so maybe a Wikipedia article isn't so bad all the time. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that being said, I mean, it's it's a very shallow portrayal uh, of an ancient culture, which is, you know, which is fine. It's not the point of the show, but... Um, you know, it, it shows Carter um, chopping, doing some vegetable chopping, something I'd be very good at. Um, and I know you would too. Carter is uh, not so I can, good at I could also do pastries. Yeah, you can do everything that takes finesse, and I can do everything that takes barbarism. <laughs> uh, in the kitchen, I think that's something that we've figured out by now. Um, but Carter... Uh, can sort of do knife work, I guess, which makes sense. She is a warrior, after all. A warrior in the kitchen. And then we see Naya. Like, that was some of the worst acting I, I think I've ever seen. It was pretty not good, let's just say. She, uh, basically, she's just walking around, like, just carrying wool. And then it's it's like, it's like and then she just, like, drops the wool and breaks down in tears but it wasn't like she it's like she's totally straight-faced and then she drops the wool as if you would drop like a microphone and then proceeds to fake cry and then everybody rushes over like that it was just i like i don't even i actually thought initially that it was something that she had planned with sam up until it was never followed up with just because it looked so fake oh maybe Actually, maybe that's what it was. She was actually just trying to get everybody's attention. They didn't set it up or come back to it. The only thing I can think of is there was like a cut 45 second scene. Huh. Yeah, actually, maybe. Because was this before or after they had the conversation about, uh, you know, like, uh, I need help saying no or whatever? Was this before or after that? I think this is after, but it... I don't know, did she really say she needed help saying no? I thought it was more that, like, Carter was so baffled that she didn't have a concept of saying no. Yeah, no, Carter said that, but then I think Naya said, can you, yeah, can you help me say, can you help me say it? And I just thought that was, I thought that was pretty heavy-handed. Just, uh, I don't know. It, it was just too, it was like, again, it was just too much. To convince yeah. someone, to convince someone of, of, like, that level of change for a cultural norm in, like, two sentences of conversation i don't know and also overcoming all that fear like i don't know it's just like they didn't they didn't spend enough time digging into that 
I think. And they just made it seem so... It's almost, like, so easy, but I don't know. So Stargate kind of likes doing the opposite of Trek in a lot of ways, where, like, Trek is very heavy on, like, the talk and the politics and the decisions and, like, the people and political aspect of how you get from, like, plot point A to plot point B, whereas Stargate loves just, like, completely hand wave past that and just, like, race through. It's like, okay, 20-second conversation, like, complete viewpoint shift, the kind of thing that would take the A-plot of a TNG episode with Lawyer Picard. Actually, yeah, you're right. Uh, Because instead of Lawyer Carter, we get, uh, my next note is Carter Lights a Fire. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I think you're pretty much dead on the nose there. And I think she lights the fire because she sees that Jack and everybody has shown up to come get her. Um, and her outfit's different now. She's wearing, like, regular, like, I don't know, quote-unquote, regular clothing. Uh, so she's out of the fancy blue dress. So she can, I guess, cook easier. I actually thought the regular clothing looked nicer than the blue dress. Yeah, I think it was just less, because the blue dress had, like, those plastic crystals hanging off of it on the face, <laughs> um, which is just, I don't know. Where do you think, all right, where do you think they found that costume? Because, like, there's, I mean, they probably, they must have a costume room. It's It's got to be thrift store plus some gaudy modifications. Huh. You can find some awful stuff in thrift stores. Man, I can just, I mean, how do you think, but yeah, all right, all right. But how do you think that dress, like, started out? Like, how did he, how did it even get to the thrift store? Where was it before that? I don't know. Like, may, maybe I'm too bourgeoisie for this stuff, but I can't, like, walk around a mall and see a dress that's anywhere near that ugly. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, I extremely doubt it was custom made because I think if it was custom made, it would have been better. Yeah, like, oh yeah. yeah. The question is, where did it come from? Well, the thing is, every I feel like every theater department or uh, or acting or set or whatever has like a costume room, which is invariably like a, a very large room, like probably the size of my whole apartment or larger for something like Stargate filled just with clothes and i feel like i don't even know where that where it comes from but i guess yeah some of it probably comes from thrift stores and just like donations and everything and it's just like uh like i can just imagine like the the whoever tells the costume people like okay this is what we're doing we need carter to be in a dress you know like she's not a space barbie but we got to have like at least some bodice just at least a little bit of bodice and then they kind of go looking, oh, and, and it's like, oh, yes, and also it's going to be ancient Mongolia. And so they head out into the depths of this costume room, and somebody had to eventually come back with it. And then they had to show the actress, like, okay, this is what you're going to be wearing. And then they had to tell the actor, like, the male actors, like, okay, you have to act like you're totally stunned at how hot she is with this. And then they did it. Like, that just, to me, is an incredible series of events that all started in that costume room. Anyway, uh, Jack trades a gun for Carter. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's when you, again, like, know that this isn't Star Trek, because they don't talk about the Prime Directive first. Well, they sort of did. I think Jack was like, or maybe it was after this. Um, yeah, no, it's after about- this. 
they had like the prime directive style conversation in the context of starting a war, but they they kind of pretty quickly like once they hand over the weapon do have the bit of dialogue about how it only has a couple bullets in it and they need to get away before they figure out. So it's clear that this isn't like the equivalent of giving someone a replicator, but no. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that would be... Yeah, I don't know. So this guy has the gun, and he's pretty happy. He's shooting it off in the air. Um, which, uh, I don't know. What would you do if you were an ancient warlord? Well, an ancient person, and somebody... You you acquired a firearm in trade. Would you start firing it in the air? Absolutely not. That was one of the things that quite got to me, is the guy is not an idiot, he understands the concept of like projectile weapons. Wouldn't you find out how the projectiles work first? Yeah. Uh, or at least it's not like crossbows yeah. don't exist. Yeah, exactly. Or at least, uh, try. I, yeah, I don't know. I just, it just kind of seemed I mean, that scene was kind of funny. He's just firing at the thing in the air and laughing. Um, which actually, now that I say that, maybe that is exactly what I would do. Yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. So they're they're all running off, and uh, Dad, uh, we're just gonna call him Dad. Says, "Oh yeah, well, my son stole Carter because yeah, he's." Off and they have kind of their wrap up conversation. Yeah, he's like, "Well, he's suffering the madness, which they find is which they find out is uh, love," <laughs> and uh, that's kind of I I don't know. I guess that's one way of putting it. Certainly for a teenager, I think that's the right way of putting it. Um, yep. And I think that the young guy, uh, I think the young guy, you know, is a teenager. So, you know, maybe he is suffering the madness and he's like, you know what? Because, I mean, we all get to pretty weird places for how to deal with, uh, you know, in my case, girls in when we're teenagers. It's like, you know what? You know what the answer is? fedoras and you know <laughs> and you know what else the answer is vaping these things <laughs> these things will get me laid uh, gotta say that's probably less questionable than some of my life choices as a teenager vis-a-vis that problem yeah well yeah what are i mean what are i don't remember what my answers were i think i got new clothes at one point which actually helped which i i hate admitting to this day uh but yeah, what uh, uh, what did you... Because I wore, when I was a teenager, I wore like basically baggy cargo pants and like a monochromatic oversized t-shirt just so just to make sure everything would go together. And one, of, <laughs> and one of the colors that I wore with these black oversized pants was just a plain brown t-shirt that was too big. Uh, so yeah, and I just wore like skate shoes that were too big. I was, like, in theater when I was a kid. I don't think you've ever actually told me that. Yeah, uh, that's how, that's why, because I'm thinking of that costume room, and I'm like, yeah, I can totally <laughs> see, I can totally see that stupid dress just being in there. <laughs> and, like, the costume girls, like, you know, you, you go up to them, and they're, they always have, like, this attitude, or, or the ones in my high school always did, and you're like, I need this kind of costume. They're like, Ugh. And then they'd like come back with like some costume and you know put it together. So I don't know. I'm just imagining how that conversation went. Like, okay, we're doing ancient Mongolian. 
It's got to have some some bodice, not too much though. And <laughs> Card like Carter doesn't want to be a space Barbie, but she's supposed to look kind of hot. And don't spend any money. <laughs> like I, you know, like that would be. That's what we got. Yeah, that's 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 pretty much it. Like very contradictory requirements. Don't spend money on it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so this kid's suffering the madness. I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess yeah. The madness is a good description for when you're for when you're a teenager, and uh, apparently. This kid's solution, you know, instead of just buying new clothes or whatever, is to abduct people, uh, which is horrifying. Actually, yeah, thinking of abducting, there was an interesting point a while back that we didn't quite hit on. Um, in, like, the scene where they were first trying to go and find Carter and the chieftain was talking to them. Is chieftain the right word? I don't know. Um, he well, kinda, we're we're um, calling him dad. Dad. Okay, so when... Uh, when Daniel was talking to Dad, he basically kind of like did the uh, sly Daniel face and pointed out um, about how Mongolian women used to be like notable warriors and equals and not at all like this, framing it kind of like along the lines of ancient history. And so uh, Dad kind of mentioned about how a lot of the stuff is bullshit, but kind of the root of it is that these like invaders would come and that they had to hide away the women and keep them safe and not have them exposed to keep them away from these invaders which has like punch in on Daniel because it's clearly talking about how the Gould would look for posts yeah but the Gould are out there and they're kind of everywhere in a way yeah I don't, and I guess yeah that that's another thing like this entire episode it totally um yeah it, it almost totally ignores that like the gould and the primary plot of um of the series like even you know even teal has just like two or three lines um which which always upsets me because he's like my favorite character like ever yeah so the daughter's going to be stoned to death for attempting to escape so this is what I this is what I meant. This is why I think this is kind of why I think that when she dropped the basket of yak for or whatever and broke down crying, that was not what Carter. That was not something that Carter planned because I think this is what she and Carter planned. Uh, she tries to escape and then they and then they have the prime directive conversation. So you know, O'Neill's like, well, we can't start a war on this planet. There's like this guy has like 23 tribes to get allied with him. He's gonna like go on a killing spree. Let's not poke the bear. And then Carter's like, look, the special forces motto is to free from oppression, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> uh, which I wonder if it actually is. I probably could have googled that. But but that is almost hard for me to believe that they would even pretend or or that that would be something that w would be said you know in the special forces where it's like oh but sir it's actually the motto of the special forces yep oh my god i mean the thing is like don't get me wrong the special forces does free people from oppression sometimes but other times the special forces very much keeps people oppressed um, depending on 
you know. Yeah, it's a, the, it's a the lot political to need of the day. Yeah, so I don't know. That was funny, where it's like, oh well, we're gonna use the goodness of the U.S. military as like a thing here, and it, and it just kind of makes me, you know, I feel like nobody would ever say that in the field, because like it kind of it kind of would have made sense when the special forces basically single handedly removed the Taliban regime in you know the early two thousands. That kind of counted. But then there's other times where they kind of, you know, in, in Nicaragua and other, you know, Latin American countries where they very much uh, kept unsavory people in power um, mm -hmm. because it was politically convenient for the United States. And I, I just think it's, it's, there's no way that would ever be taken seriously. One could argue that Jack bailing because it was most convenient is, in fact, the uh, most fitting way to live to that motto. Yeah, yeah, actually. The uh, motto that should be. Because that's the thing, because O'Neill also takes the opposing side every now and again. If he thinks he's going to get a sweet buttload of technology, he'll be like, yeah, screw it, we're going to interfere here because we're going to get a big honking space gun, which like is almost exactly something he says. That's something that bugs me because he does he does often interfere on moral grounds, but uh, you can you can tell the alcohol is showing. Um, he often interferes on moral grounds, but it's so inconsistent. Like I don't really understand what O'Neill's moral compass is. I'm not sure that that's been decided yet because we are only on episode three. Oh, um, oh, I know episode three. I mean, like all of SG one. Yeah, it I feel does. like he gets he gets more on the side of like being the humanitarian and less like the stereotypical mil military man. But still, like it feels like kind of a roll of the dice any given episode. That's true, but I also think that O'Neill is he very much goes with his gut and and what his gut tell like he doesn't pick you know he's not like a man of principles. I would I would argue he's like a man of. I'm going to do the right thing in the here and now based on the information I have. And I almost think that he did make the right call. Cause if I was there and I knew that, you know, this guy had 23 uh, tribes allied with him, I'd be like, look, I don't think that saving this one girl is going to make anything any better. In fact, I would say that it's going to make things a lot worse. We're just going to give this guy a reason to go out on an invasion spree I, I actually totally get that. Personally, I would have been more keen to do something, but I do agree that going in guns blazing absolutely would not have been the best solution overall. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, somebody convinces him otherwise. Oh, yeah, it was, it was of course, Daniel, as it always is. Um, so he says, oh, all right, Dad, um, there's got to be something in the old laws that you can use. Uh, and then Dad you know, eventually remembers something. And then they all go to the village and challenge the guy. They're like, hey, uh, so basically we're going to fight you. And this is, of course, classic. Like, of course, there would be an old law about this. So, yeah, so uh, the angry, scowly leader is like, yeah, I'm not going to fight Dad here. That's dishonorable. And then Carter throws down. She's like, look, I can beat you up. And of course, we all know that she can. Then they end up in a knife fight, Mister Scowley. Or they end up in a fist fight, but 
Mr. Surly brought a knife to the fist fight. I mean, Carter also brought a knife. It's smaller. Not a great knife, though. It's, it's more. It's more like a uh, paring knife versus a sword. Uh, that's true, but part of me just believes that because it's like a military-made knife, that it's like specifically engineered to be faster or like something like that. Like all the damage of a huge ancient Mongolian knife, but with all the lightweightness of a you know paring knife. A knife um, that's engineered to be faster is a funny thought. I mean, it did look a bit like <laughs> a ceramic knife, which are incredibly sharp, but... Yeah. So, think, thinking about Carter, before I totally forget, does this count as a tally mark for the gang gets captured? No, this doesn't count. Okay. This definitely... I'll cross out what I had. This definitely does not count. I mean, we're talking like... You, you know, we're talking like... Uh, so, so one person getting captured doesn't count. It's got to be like the gang... Um, I think it's got to be at least two. Because Carter was definitely captured. Carter definitely okay. was captured, but it's got to be at least two. And I feel like, I just feel like the the episode is so stupid and the captor was so stupid that it it, it almost was like they were temporarily separated. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really get the sense that she was in real danger, which is kind of fucked because that's very not good writing. Yeah, I never really got the sense that she was in real danger either. Like, the worst thing that happened was she had to cut vegetables. But, you know... She was threatened a bunch, but it just felt so fake. I I, See, I agree, because I feel like at any given time, they could have had that fight that they had at the end, and Carter just definitely would have won. And I, you know, it's not like... uh, I feel like she could have beaten up several of those guys at once. And gotten away, and she she did get away for a while. She stole the horse and was recaptured and everything. But I don't know. I don't. De- yeah, I definitely didn't feel like. Uh, I I just feel like it. It was at every point where it was like Mister Scally, angry warlord guy. I. It's always in my mind. It's like well, Carter could just totally take this guy, bare hands. Even if he had a knife, I feel like she could still take him with her bare hands. I suspect there's kind of a weird algebra that the writers had to do, especially writing in the 90s, of how real they made the threat for like the sake of decency in the audience. Because one of the reasons why it fell apart is, like you said, Sam doesn't really feel like she's in danger most of the time because you feel that she's just so much more capable and if she really tried, she could beat them up and manage to get away. Yeah. I mean, a badass like her? Yeah. Um, it clearly was written along the lines of she couldn't, but it made it feel like she could. I think that's part of it... kind of this weird tightrope around like how much danger you can put like a female character in in the 90s. Maybe, but I also... I, I mean, I also think that we've seen the entire series and we just know how Bond she is at fighting. That's true. Um, so, so in our mind, it's like, cause it's not, she's not like a, you know, she's, she is a scientist and she's a genius and all that. And yeah, she's a woman, but she's also like a very talented fighter. Um, you know, I don't know. So I'm, so that always is in the back of my mind. So yeah, I don't know much more. So I, I think that like if Daniel got captured, I would have been more worried about him. That's actually true. Yeah. I agree. And I and I think maybe that's the problem. Like the weak, like the weaker or the poorest fighter 
isn't the female. So that's maybe where the whole premise of the episode fell down. Because if Daniel was captured, I would have been like, yeah, he might not be able to get away. But with Carter, it's like, no, if she didn't want to be here, I feel like she could just be like, well, you don't even have ray guns or anything. Like, goodbye. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, this is going to be obvious, but uh, did you like this episode, Val? Absolutely not. I'm trying to decide (laughs) if this is a one-star episode or a two-star episode. I feel like it has some redeeming qualities in terms of its world building, but that's about it. This was a you, one. You know, what, I'll give it a I'll give it a two star. I think this was a one star episode. I can't think of any episodes that are worse than this one. This might have been the worst one. And like, what, can you think off the top of your head an episode that is worse? Admittedly, no. Um, the clip shows are really boring, and I could think yeah. of a couple episodes that are really wacky and dumb. But I can't think of one more frustrating. That said, like thinking back to Adam and Ben's snarky commentary, I'm sure in like a dozen episodes we're gonna find one that we hate twice as much. Yeah, you're right. Um, I don't know. I thought. I mean, yeah, I definitely did not like this episode. I think it's one of the worst ones in the series. I think that they very obviously tried to tackle an incredibly complicated issue. Uh, with, with very, no tact or yeah, sense. with really stupid costumes and uh, you know it doesn't yeah it's like it doesn't make sense you know the female character who is a badass gets captured um, and and has to be not a badass for an episode and I it just doesn't seem just doesn't seem right it like nothing was done right I don't think the portrayal of the culture of the ancient Mongolians was interesting. Yeah, it was very shallow. Yeah, it was it's very... Why made, it's why I made the comment about, like, what an anthropologist would think, not just, like, not just in a very pedantic way, although I can be a bit of a pedant, but more in that Stargate itself talks so much about anthropology. It's kind of like how Stargate is worth... Or, sorry, I always make that the stars. It's like how Star Trek is worth picking on for its science, but Star Wars isn't. Yeah. It's a very anthropology and culture-centric show. Therefore, it's more amusing when it's completely lazy and shitty about it. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, yeah, they're not going always, or even most of the time, for, like, accuracy. Or, like, we're going to show a really nuanced view of what would it be like if this, you know, if we ran into this culture. Um, But it it was, like, even more shallow. Like, it was very... I don't know. I don't know what went wrong here, but it was... It is one of the worst episodes of the series in my mind. Yeah, did you have a, a favorite guy? Um, I think my favorite was Dad at the end pulling his thing. Uh, it was he he basically pulled a quirk in the House of Quirk thing where he challenged Scowley, knowing that Scowley couldn't fight him because his honor demanded that it wouldn't be a just fight. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess he was that's, just very smug about it. I guess that's a good as a good as good a pick as any. I think I'm gonna have to go with one of the dogs from the very beginning. <laughs> a particular one, or just in general, one of them? Just what? Yeah, just one of them. Why? Well, because they're dogs, and uh, <laughs> I have an automatic like baseline good feeling about dogs even if they're 
being portrayed as vicious. I I just feel like they did the least amount of damage. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, favorite character, probably one of the dogs. Um, yeah. Uh, so next up we have, I can't remember what it's called. I can't remember what it's about, but I recall you were very excited for it. Yes. The next episode, uh, what's it called? It's where everybody regresses to Neanderthals, which is basically like a day in the life of my office (laughs) like we all start out as like fully civilized human beings and by the end of it we're just like a bunch of rampaging chimpanzees let's see where stargate base has put deadly peril when it's contaminated with a dangerous infection which causes its victims to become mindless animalistic brutes uh broken divide yes um so yeah in this episode everybody reverts to uh like a primitive like primitive man like cavemen basically the gang be like acts like cavemen and there's just something there's just something that i find hilarious about like just being a barbarian i mean you've seen me eat food like i love it (laughs) i i have indeed and trust me scott is not being overly (laughs) self-deprecating yeah um I don't know. I I would consider myself to be a primitive being very frequently, and it's something I'm really proud of. Like I just think that like you know you got to go back to your roots sometimes, and I think that this episode is uh, interesting and funny. Uh, I I really actually really love this episode. This is one of the I would say. I mean, I'll I'll watch it again, but well, I'll probably have to tell you like at the end of the series, but. I think this might be one of my favorite episodes. Interesting. So I have a tally for Stargate episodes that have the same name as a Star Trek episode, but I feel like I almost need a companion tally of ones where there's the exact same plot, because there's a TNG episode where this is the A-plot. Everyone starts biologically regressing. Which uh, which episode is that? Um, I don't remember what it's called. I think it's season seven. Something weird happens to uh, Barclay when the doctor's trying experimental treatment on him and everyone turns into like random animals or cavemen in the case of Riker. So you get like the typical, the stereotypical thing of a shuttle of three or four people comes back and the ship's completely fucked up and they have to piece everything together. Hmm. Genesis, it looks like. Sounds right, yeah interesting i don't remember this episode yeah anyway um yeah i'm definitely looking forward to watching this one a lot more than the one today god what a just what a terrible terrible episode like you can even see like cold like i'm looking at uh at the episode uh like the like the wikipedia article or the google thing for this episode and it's carter wearing that stupid costume and like even just like the look on her face just says it all it's just like i did not sign up for this like i (laughs) signed up i signed up to be a space badass and now i'm wearing like literally like a tacky halloween costume with plastic crystals on it with some bodice what a waste not even yeah. not even enough bodice to like really blow people away. Just like some bodice. Like I don't know. I don't know. 